Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So Jen is over for a podcast and she came over and didn't wear any fucking trousers. Rude. So rude. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she did the camouflage. It was a joke about the camouflage uh, trousers. Okay. I didn't get it. Recorded myself. For fuck's sake. Yeah, it is. It's Carla going, Hello, and welcome to the Unpopular Opinion Podcast. My name is Jen. And I'm Carla. And this is another Jen. Jennifer. It's Jennifer. <laughs> Jen's journey is here with us for this week's podcast. And Jen is here basically to tell us her story. <laughs> We're going to chat Jenny. about a few bits and a few bobs, if you will. Exactly. This is your trigger warning now because this episode is a bit more serious than others. It's about Jen's, well, Jen's journey on Instagram is about your weight loss, but <laughs> it's about a different journey that you were on um, a while back. And obviously it, it will rain true for a lot of people that might be listening to it. It's it's a hard one to touch on, isn't it? Like, especially, my, personally, I've never been through anything like this, Carla. No. No. So, ha, No, have I? Probably. Probably. Well, if you actually broke it down, um, just <laughs> if everyone's like, why are you alluding to the fact? Uh, we're going to be talking about domestic abuse and domestic violence, um, which is something that Jen, Jennifer Carroll, aka Jason's... <laughs> JC, the big <laughs> JC, here she is, in person, um, has been through herself. But uh, so tell us kind of a little bit about you or what, how people know you, I suppose. Um, most people would know me for being an Instagram model. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Fitness model. Um, the weight loss journey. So I have an Instagram page, Jen's Journey, where I share my three meals a day. Sure. No. I know, literally, that's it. <laughs> And I lost some weight and people just like to follow. Lost some weight. <laughs> lost some weight. Jesus. Come lost on, 12 stone. 12. Well, probably like 11 and a half at this rate because I put on a bit at Christmas. I haven't lost it yet. It's all right. It's close to 12 stone. It was 12 stone Jesus at one point. Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> that's an unbelievable yeah, achievement. So I've lost a chubby person, basically. Yeah. Mm. You've lost a whole human. I know. It's like my mom. My mom weighs less than that. I'm always like, I lost more than you. Oh, <laughs> that is tiny. so weird. I know. When you think about it like that. Well, and I'd be giving out my little boys for when I'm trying to carry them up the stairs now. And I'm like, Carter, you're too heavy. And then I'd think I would probably walk around with three of you on me at some point. When you think about <laughs> it. Like it's that, mad when you think like that because when you pick up a child. Yeah, and you're like, wow, I yeah, actually, you're heavy. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very heavy. You little chunk. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
So obviously you got your little baba. Yeah. Adds a little baby hair. Yeah. <laughs> little uh, He's cute. He's four. Nearly five. When's he five? Five of May. Wow. Oh, yeah. The years are flying in. No, it really is. I moved home when he was like two and a bit. Mm-hmm. Just turned two really. So like I'm home nearly three years now. Three years. Yeah, three years in July. Wow. That is mad. So yeah. Does it feel like three years? It does and it doesn't. It feels like, because I've been in London for like nearly 10 years, nine mm. years. So it feels like, it just feels like a massive chunk of my life that was like, I don't know. Like when I think back on it, there's parts of it that I really miss and I feel like it was only a while ago. Yeah. And then there's other times I think about it and I'm like, that feels like I was a teenager. Yeah. Like yeah. when I was there, mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it was just two and a half years ago. Yeah. I think it's, um, geez, time flies when you're... Home and losing weight, huh? <laughs> Having kids. Nice <laughs> 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 have a little one. Take us back to when you first went to London. Just start your story from there. Basically. From the start. So yeah. I was nineteen. Um, I had obviously done my leaving cert when I was eighteen, and my plan was to like move to London and become the next Kate Winslet. <laughs> and that didn't happen. <laughs> um, and I remember when I was eighteen, my dad was like, "No, you're not moving to London. Like, you need to go to college." So I went to Crumlin College, and I done a year of beauty. And I was like, it's just not for me. I need, like, drama was just what I wanted to do. So I went to London with my best friend. Um, and we lived there. We lived there for a few years. She ended up moving to LA to train. And, yeah, I just got into the kind of theatre scene, all those circles. Absolutely loved it. Then I ended up going to uni there, university there, mm-hmm. trained and acting. Um, worked in loads of different theatres. I just loved it. Yeah. Had a ball. Because <laughs> what I found hilarious about you, the first time that I met you, I couldn't believe how outgoing you were versus your online persona. I know. I always say that. I'm like, I do think I'm myself online. A lot yeah. of people are always like, oh, like the reason I like following you is because you're just normal. Like you're kind of relatable. Yeah. You're yeah. not like a typical Insta one. I'm like, it's just because I'm ugly or something. <laughs> 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 no, I always like, you're like, you're so normal and relatable. And I was like, yeah, I just don't look like an Insta model. But, um... But then there's another part of me that's like, I actually wish sometimes, I feel like I do have, like, I'm just my normal self, but I never share. But sometimes I think I'm a bit, like, unfiltered, and I think I would offend a lot of people if I was myself. Oh, welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. So sometimes I'm like, I'm coming on to talk about, like, chicken and potatoes, so it's hard to be, like, yeah. doing a song and dance about <laughs> yeah. it. But, like, <laughs> yeah. It's usually I'm pretty straightforward, and I have kind of a monotone voice. So they just come out and be like, hi, so I'm just making my lunch today. And, like, loads of people, I've had messages before from people have been like, you're actually the most boring person to watch. <laughs> I'm like, I know. But, like, I'm not there to, like, be excited. I'm literally just there to give you recipes. Well, so. just, you have your, your, your thing that you do on Instagram and you stick to it. Exactly, that's it. I'm like... Your formulae. Yeah, and like it's off, opened loads of opportunities and like interesting things. Like I'm still hoping it will lead me to the Oscars one day, but... Who <laughs> <laughs> knows? But yeah. But now the Instagram has been like a big change. Like that's been amazing, I think. That's something that I never would have done, I suppose. It's like a creative outlet a little bit for yeah, me because my yeah. life, like my normal nine to five, like it's so boring. It's just like I have a standard like bank job basically so there's nothing exciting or like yeah. artistic or creative going on there so the Instagram and even the cooking itself that really helps me kind of express that creative side oh just get it out yeah. <laughs> so you're in London Kate Winslet in training <laughs> yeah really close to the Oscars morbidly obese morbidly obese <laughs> great buzz yeah. you know, um, so all that's happening Flat out, you've kind of settled, I suppose, in your life over there? Yeah, I had settled. I'd actually picked up a job as well 
this was actually before I went to university, I was managing like a children's boutique. Like it was like a really posh, um, like old fashioned, like Swedish organic cotton, you know, 28 pound rompers. The royal it was really nice. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. actually who used to come into it? James McAvoy and his wife, Amory <gasps> oh, Duff. They used oh to shop God. there, I know. What? <laughs> and um, so they, it was like a really posh shop and they had like a health centre, a holistic centre upstairs. So I managed to do with them. So I was on actually quite good money and it was, two or three years I was there and I was kind of like I'm not really doing what I want to do so that's when I went to uni but it was when I was working there that I met my ex so I had hired his friend and then we just kind of became a group of friends we were socialising that's how we met Mm -hmm. and then yeah and then we ended up both going to uni I think I started uni a year before him and then he went back to do social care the year after me oh my god so we were both at uni when we got pregnant so I think we were four years kind of seeing each other about four years when I was pregnant four years when you got pregnant with Carter yeah so what age were you when you started seeing him I'm trying to do the maths here 22 really... 21 22 so you've been there like two three years yeah so they're about two or three so years when we met yeah yeah grand so yeah. everything's fine yeah normal yeah and then working your baby shop (laughs) (laughs) and then when I got um I actually got made redundant from the baby shop a month before I went to uni so actually worked out perfect Mm. timing wise um so I went to uni and it was in my third year that I got pregnant so I was in my third year he was in the second year obviously it wasn't planned um and I decided that I wanted to finish my degree because I was really close to finishing it um, he decided to drop out so I ca- carried on now the university were really good but I was because it was quite physical because it was drama mm. they were like you can only do up until your second trimester and then you'll have to come back when okay. he's like 12 weeks old right. and finish the last bit okay. so that was fine you were but happy that was the plan. Yeah, yeah, that was good it was stressful but like it was good yeah. and I actually had a really good support system over there with his family like we were very oh, yeah. close and they were really helpful so that was great so that was the plan. And then I think because he dropped out of uni, he was like struggling to keep um, a job, basically. Mm. Like he was in and out of jobs. He wasn't happy. It wasn't what he wanted to do. And then he just started drinking. And then when he started drinking, he just changed completely. Right. And I would say literally in the space of three to six months, he became like a full-blown alcoholic. Wow. Like so quickly. That's so quick. Yeah. Like for someone that wouldn't, like that we just socialise drinks, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we were never, I still wouldn't be, like I'm not a massive drinker, but we were never the kind of couple that would, you know, sit in and have a bottle of wine during the week. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we'd go out the yeah. weekends, but we'd never drink in the house or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. What was he like before? <clears throat> He was he was quiet. Like he was a bit of like I don't know, like he'd probably say like a bit of a bad boy, do you know that typical? Oh, yeah. oh yes. When you look back now, I suppose what I'm trying to ask you, were there any red flags? Yeah, there was definitely signs that this would have been my first big, um, like serious relationship. Yeah. So when I look back now things, it's this thing people will always say that I would have thought was like flattery or like the obsessiveness. I almost liked it because mm. you know I thought that was him like really fancy yeah and really yeah. caring for me and looking out for me and being obsessed and yeah. you know I thought that was normal well girls do fall for that as well yeah. and then when you it's watch the like to. the fucking Fifty Shades of Grey and yeah. you know all of these kind of love stories yeah. that are out there, there now they are like that the men they're all fucking rich they're all mad about their girls and yeah. it does glamorise it yeah 
Like, it, it, it's a serious fucking red flag. It, no, 100%. It's even the text, and you know, like, when it would get to a point where I'd go out without him. I go out with my friends socialising. And I would think he was just being a bit jealous, but, like, the constant texting. Yeah. And then, like, if I didn't text him back, you know, getting the silent treatment, then when I seen him. Little things like yeah. that. And at the time, I would just think, oh, he's just annoyed because, like, he was worried or he was jealous. But, like, at the time, I, I wouldn't have looked into it that way. And he yeah. was never... um violent like he was never violent it was only when I was pregnant that he first got violent wow. that was literally when it started the day we moved into a new apartment so you're with him yeah. everything's going grand you get pregnant with Carter you're both a bit shocked yeah. and his family is immediately supportive very or? supportive yeah and how about your family yeah they were as shocked as, as well but yeah, yeah they were obviously in Ireland <clears throat> they were happy and they'd met him obviously before so we were all really excited about it. It was yeah. like a really exciting time and like it's sti- like it's hard I think when I look back at it now because I'm always like the pregnancy especially because it's such a special time your pregnancy. It's like so it's special. Special. Like yeah. now it is tough, it's hard, it's like mm. a pain in the arse most of the time <laughs> but it's a really special time and like I'd love to have more kids if I was lucky to but even though it was the most special time of my life, it was probably like the shittest time of my life. And I feel like I always carry that, I don't know, like guilt it, a little bit because like I hate- It ruined hate, it for you. Yeah, like it ruined it, but like I hate admitting that to myself because yeah. I always just like, no, it was the most amazing. Yeah. Like my pregnancy was so I special. Love I love him. Like, <laughs> yeah. He is the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like really when I do think about it, like it was a really shit time. It was probably yeah. the hardest time of my life because it was when everything was really changing. Okay, so and it was that kind of like, oh my god, like this is my life now. I'm stuck. Did you feel that way? Yeah, I remember. Like I said, the first day we moved into the apartment, and it was the stupidest thing we'd gotten into an argument about. I think the man with a van <laughs> wasn't very helpful, <laughs> and he was basically making him do everything and obviously I wasn't doing it because I was pregnant so he was just in a bad mood and he'd he'd had a drink but I didn't realise and I think he just wanted like I don't know to go out or something he was getting really fed up and then I'd knocked over a pack of um, earbuds you know cotton earbuds they went everywhere and I remember he just went and got a dustpan and brush and like threw it at me and then I was just really shocked and he was like clean it up and then whatever happened he ended up pushing me on the floor I remember just sitting there and he walked out of the room closed the door now, I would have only been about, I don't know, four or five months pregnant at this point. But I remember just being like, just feeling really trapped. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'm stuck now. I'm in London. And obviously, I know London's not far away, but I just felt like I was so far away. A world away when yeah. you're in a situation like that. Exactly. And like, and now the apartment we were living in was literally like from here to the end of your road. Like, mm-hmm. so say five houses away from his family home. So we were on the same road as them. Oh, God. So I was lucky in that sense, mm. but I was also like, oh. So I felt really um, isolated at that point, I suppose. And that was a moment when I think I was just like, what have I gotten myself into? So the first time he was kind of, I suppose, abusive towards you was the first time that you were like, fuck. Yeah. Now, this, that was physical. Yeah. Violence. So there would have been there times been, before yeah. that maybe verbally. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time it was physical. And that was like, obviously, yeah. A lot more shocking. I think a lot of the times, and what gets, I think, normalised a lot with 
because they, I mean, what they normally say is one in five women experience domestic violence. Now, one in five women might not even realise that they have experienced that. Like mm-hmm. you said at the start, when we said have you experienced it, you were like, I don't know. Yeah. Because you could have been in a relationship before where someone was emotionally or verbally or financially abusive and you might have not realised at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what happened at the start. Like a lot of the verbal abuse, I always forget that was when it started. I yeah. don't count that yeah. bit because I at the time I would be thinking we're just having a normal argument like we're just hot-headed we're young that's just how we speak to each other yeah <laughs> but it's not like the way he would have spoke to me or things would have said to me looking back now it was abusive do you know what I mean but it's always that time that sticks out my head the time that he actually got physical and I feel like that's when it really started but it's not that's just when the, the physical violence, violence started mm. so it's like, terrifying to think that he, it, like that you were pregnant when this yeah, the first the time. Yeah, like it's just I, I can't I'm still trying to get over that. Yeah, and I remember putting it down because I was very late. Now when we found out we were pregnant, we were really far into it. I was nine and a half weeks. I was only ten weeks when we found out. Right. So I wasn't getting a period because the pill I was on it was the twenty eight. Yeah, twenty eight. So I didn't get a period for like two years or something. And I remember I was home in Ireland at the end of August and I was ma- I remember making a joke being like, I feel like I'm pregnant or something because I was like eating gherkins and drinking a beer. That's really bad. But I was like my cousin Orla and I was like, I just like, I feel, I don't know, like I was like, I just feel funny and all. But I was like, I know I definitely couldn't. And I just never thought I was able to have kids as well, I suppose, with my size and because my periods had always been very irregular, irregular yeah. and not normal. So I just thought that was kind of on the cards for me, I suppose. And then I went home and I got, I remember the day that I landed home, I just kept getting sick and we went and got pregnancy tests and we went to the doctor and they were like, yeah, like you're nine and a half weeks. I was really far on. And I remember I was like, oh my God. And then I went for, I went to another specialist a week later and they were like, yeah, so you can start announcing it in a week. But I was like, oh my God, announce it. Like, I'm not even ready to announce it yeah. to myself, like to yeah. accept it. Like, never mind. Because a week later would be normally the time when people are like telling friends and family. And I was like, oh God. So that was really hard. So everything went really, really quick. And then at the time we weren't living together. So I had my apartment, he had his apartment. That's when we're like, right, we need to move together. We need to do this, we need Mm. to do that. And just doing what we thought had to be done. And so then I think I was putting it down to, we were really stressed out. We were really tense. Like everything was flipped up in the last kind of two months. Like he's on edge and like he's just drinking a bit because he's stressed and just making excuses for everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it, that's easy to do, I think, in the beginning, especially when you're in like a stressful situation. Mm. And that decision for him to drop out of social yeah. care. That was completely him. And that was when you had found out that you were pregnant. Yeah. So he was starting his second year. Okay. And he was like, no, like, I need to get a full-time job. Like, I need to get money. Trying to take on, I suppose, that typical, like, masculine, like, role of, like... And he knew that I really... Like, my degree meant more to me than his did to him, if that makes sense. So he knew I really wanted to finish mine. Okay. So if one of us were going to drop out, like, it would be him. Yeah. But he took... As he said, he took on that decision. Yeah, he took on the decision. So he was really supportive in the beginning. like Yeah, like he was supportive in me staying like at uni. And I was also working three jobs. So like I was pregnant. And now when he was out of work, I was working three jobs and doing uni full time. Oh, and I was eight months pregnant. Do you know what I mean? Whew. So Jeez. what jobs were you doing? You so I was working in <laughs> theatres. So two theatres. One was like a front of house kind of. Yeah. 
reception another was a, a sister theatre but it was like the bar cafe and then there was a library I was working in the library right so they were all close and kind of connected but it was three separate jobs and then union rehearsals right so full on yeah what else would be pregnant yeah I don't know how I didn't lose weight because <laughs> like, I, so, like, I was so on the go like I was more on the go so I think like I've always kind of been a busy person but like I really was and like I remember people used to be like to me you need to slow down but like we'd no money he was drinking the money he wasn't working so I was yeah. like oh my god like, have some money. I have to I had no choice Jesus Christ <laughs> I'm howling a lot now yeah. still fat what's that about <laughs> that was like you when you were there. a teenager and all the sports that you were doing still fat still fat yeah. fucking raging <laughs> and like John is quite physical as well yeah like yeah I was about to say and the fact that you're on your yeah. feet all day in your uni so that happens you are uh, four or five months pregnant at this point yeah so the four or five months would have been yeah when we moved in together and is this kind of where kind of escalated yeah and his drinking especially. Oh god. So his drinking, this is when it got really bad when we moved in together. Okay, so you're in together. I'm supposing like, would you say, and not in a mean way, obviously, but would you say that he felt a bit trapped too? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like it wasn't what he wanted. It wasn't what we had planned at all. Yeah. So like definitely. I'd say it's very hard though, especially if you think you're going to be in college. And I feel like for me, from my own experiences of going to college three times and dropping out twice, but... um. You kind of feel like, well, this is me so worse yeah. for a little while. I don't have to worry about anything because when people say, what are you doing? You're I'll say, uni. college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be like, I'm actually at uni. That's the thing, yeah. yeah. And I think it's almost a get out of jail free card yeah. for some yeah. people. So, And I think he was a bit lost as well in what he wanted to do. Yeah. Do you mm. know what I mean? He didn't know what he wanted to do because even the fact that he'd done social care, that was a real kind of like, mm, yeah, that looks grand. Really? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do that. Mm. So it wasn't like a passionate thing. You weren't no. like it wasn't this kind of thing where he felt he'd always like, wanted or like yeah. From it. yeah. He wasn't like a natural. Did his family? <laughs> did his uh, family know anything about his drinking habits? Or yeah, so they did start now, and I opened up a lot to his family. So I was very close to one of his sisters and his mum, and I was really honest and open with them. And they tried really hard. Like we'd even even gotten him. I think as soon as Carter was born, right before Carter was born, his mum had tried to get him into this rehab place. <clears throat> it was in Birmingham but it was six weeks and you go to Birmingham for six weeks you don't come back mm. but the six weeks would have overlapped our due date oh. and he was like no no like I'm not missing it I'm not missing it and obviously mm. we were trying to be like there's like what's the point in being here if you're not yeah, here yeah, mentally yeah. like you're better off going and getting sorted or whatever but um, he never done that he done, He did do a rehab but it was like a what do you call it like a AA almost no like a outpatient type type okay. thing yeah. so like you check in once a week yeah. it was okay. an NHS free thing like they probably have to offer it but like absolutely done nothing I no, think they no. gave him a tablet and they were like do not drink on this because you'll lose your mind if you did and obviously like he went out and drank <laughs> oh, so we did that yeah we enjoyed that yeah and that was like a crazy three day I don't even know what it was it was just mad but like it definitely did have an effect I don't know what it was I can't remember if it was an injection or a pill they gave him but I remember they were like don't drink because you'll go mad or you'll be violently ill yeah but he a, I know that there's a tablet called Antabuse that's one of them and they're given to alcoholics because it's nearly like that um, antibiotic you know the flagell that if you drink it you'll be yeah you'll yeah. project it could have been it. something like that yeah and he was but, supposed to get it the first few weeks to yeah. ease it 
out of his yeah. drinking. So he went from a very social drinker. Yeah. To you guys finding out that you were pregnant, to moving in together, to being a full blown alcoholic. Yeah. I would say within three to six months. By the end of the pregnancy, like by the time I was seven months, eight months pregnant, he was like drinking midweek during the day. Like drunk. That was terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. Um, Just so, to show how quick it can go. And like when you think of an alcoholic, well for me anyway, when I think of an alcoholic, I just think of an, like, you know, someone's old uncle or like yeah. a, an old man. Even, yeah, like I'd always more think a man... And an older person. Yeah. I never really would have seen, you know, you might know somebody like, oh, yeah, he's mad for a drink or he's like a social part, like yeah. drinker, but I'd never heard or known of someone and he was my age, like, and we would have been like 26 at the time, um, to kind of go from like zero to 100, like in such a short space of time and so young. And at such a special time as well, yeah. because I'm just remembering how Adam was when I was pregnant yeah. and he was support it was obviously it, it's just polar opposites yeah. like I just I, I'm just I can't get over the fact that he reacted that way especially while you were pregnant yeah. it's such a vulnerable vulnerable time yeah like it's like you said it's such a special time when you're pregnant I just and then I think you want that support and you want you like the the fairy tale I suppose so mm. then when you know he'd apologise or he'd come out with like I'm just stressed or I'm sorry and all I'd be so open to it and like okay no it's fine like well, let's just get back you want to probably give him yeah. the second chance because like that you do want a fairy tale and you exactly and then I also felt like it wasn't like I had my mom or like the girls there that I could just tell someone mm. and I was slowly starting to drift from my friends because mm. the whole possessive thing like when I look back now it was definitely him being possessive even though he was half the time he wasn't there at this point because he was out drinking but I never had, I didn't get to be social. Now, obviously, I was pregnant as well. But, like, all my uni friends were, like, you know, young, not having babies, mm. just starting their careers, going out. And, obviously, with theatre, it's such a, like, um, like you're all over the place. Do you you're know what I mean? Like, constantly. Exactly. And mm. you're you're never in the one place. You're constantly moving. You're touring. You're doing everything. So, I really did drift. There was one girl, Emma, that I stayed really close with. But apart from her, like, I, I was losing a lot of yeah. friends, I suppose. And then I was a- isolating myself without realising. Yeah. So I kind of cut myself off from everyone apart from him and his family. So I really felt like that was all I had. Yeah. And I think that's why I found it so hard to break away. Because yeah, yeah. I kind of was like, who will I turn to? So that was the first incident of physical abuse when you yeah. threw the dustpan at you. And then... <laughs> Pushed cool, you on the ground. Yeah, pushed yeah. you on the Hanks ground. Hanks on. <laughs> TY, just prego here. Yeah. No pro. No gaff. Um, so, kind of like, that was the main thing that you remember. And then, kind of what happened? Did he realise what he had done wrong? Or did he apologise? Or did you just, just kind of leave it as a moot point almost? He, I remember being surprised at he did react in the way that he was like afterwards. He was just like, you know, I'm sorry, like it was. But I remember being surprised at how he wasn't like... Groveling. Yeah. Like I kind of expect, I thought he would be really groveling, but he wasn't. And then I kind of just put it down to, look, he's just really stressed. Like he's not himself. And that was the excuse I made for ages with the drink. I was like, it's not him. And now in fairness, not in fairness, but majority of the time, like 90% of the time that he was physically abusive with me, he'd had alcohol. Mm. So I just linked it with that. I was like, it's not him. It's the drink. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. It was. Re- I found it. Well, I actually found it easy to separate them for a long time. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's drunk him. 
and that's sober him and they're two different people it was like living with Jekyll and Hyde like anyone I suppose that's lived with someone with mm. an abuse problem like can see that like it's like living with someone that's two just two people. personalities yeah and like you love one person and it's like really hard to accept that that person's almost gone it's like mourning somebody because Mm. I remember trying to accept that like the person that I'd fell in love with or the person when I would think back just a year or two ago like they're just they're not here anymore Mm. it's a total new person that I'm with now and that I'm taking on and like I didn't love them but I think I felt guilty that I'm giving up on them. Yeah, and he he did have issues himself. Now, he had a lot of kind of issues. He was quite depressed, and I know he'd struggled with stuff in the past. And I think I was probably the only person in his life that he'd gotten that close to and that he'd really opened up to and been vulnerable with. And I always felt like, do you know, you think you have a special connection then. And then I would always feel guilty because I knew his story and his issues that if I walked away... I'd be really letting him down mm. and like I, I wouldn't be supporting him and I'm like he's going through a hardship and he needs support support, and he needs to get better and like it's a hard one but especially with alcoholism and I think I don't know like you feel like you're letting them down if you walk away but at the same time you can never make someone mm. give up alcohol do you know what I mean yeah and like can't... it gets to a point where you're like it's your life or his life you know like it's ruining your life but it's not and I think people in that situation also find it hard to kind of comprehend the fact as well that's not your job exactly it's not your responsibility and so many people in the position that you were in do take on that responsibility and it's like no I need to fix them and I I need to yeah and I need to get and I kept thinking if he just gets back to how he was like we'd be happy again but I was also taking on this new role of becoming a mom like and that was such the kind of my main focus so it was really hard it was like dealing with another child almost. Sorry, I forgot about Carter there. I'm not joking. I thought you were talking about him. I was like, yeah, they are like kids. <laughs> but it is. So it was I like totally having two children. As a child also. Yeah, obviously Carter at the time was tiny, so it was like with newborns, they just kind of sleep and eat. Yeah. But it was still like accepting. I'm like, you're so emotional. Your emotions are all over the place anyway. Oh, and yeah. I feel like with the first three months after Carter, I just cried. <laughs> now, I didn't have any kind of postnatal depression. Like, I didn't have anything like that. But I just remember I was just so emotional. Yeah. Like, I was just emotional. That's mm. all I was. I wasn't sleeping. I was on edge. And like, the first three months of his life was like a roller coaster. Do you, if are you comfortable to get into that or yeah like I think like there's certain parts that I block it like even when sometimes people are like the first instant like and when was the next and what happened yeah. and I was like I actually don't know I remember yeah. one time a it police woman or it wasn't even a police lady we were in so I ended up in the very end like fast forward two years I stayed with him for about two years and um, while he was abusive um, it ended up in court so me and Carter to leave to come back to Ireland obviously needed his permission yeah mm. and we had to because it's a different jurisdiction we had to get that and now in Ireland I know fathers don't have rights well they have rights but they're not great and they mm. don't have a lot of rights it's the complete opposite in England mm. like you could have an absolutely terrible father it doesn't matter and the judge is like pushing the kid on him like it's 50-50 do you know what I mean mm. so it's like the opposite Yeah. so it's really hard um to kind of get that so we had to go to court to grant me and Carter leave to Ireland and I remember the judge had asked me so obviously we were back and forth all the time and one of the things I was asked to do was to rock, write down my top five incidents and I remember oh, just being like oh my god even the way they'd kind of questioned it or like worded it to me I was like like my top five beatings <laughs> like yeah. I was like how would you put that into words and then I'd be like sometimes I'm like 
I can't even remember certain things. There's a few that would stand out to me. But you close off so many of them. Definitely. There might be something that might happen to me. And I'll be like, oh my God, yeah. Like, remember this thing. And I'll remember something that I'd totally forgotten about. And I remember finding that really hard. Because, like, it's hard to pinpoint certain things or remember certain things. Because you try to close so much of it off. Yeah. Even when you're in it. Because you don't want to accept it. You don't want to believe it. You don't talk to anyone about it. It's just kind of like you bottle up. It's yeah and I remember just being like oh my god but yeah so I'd say the first three months of character's life were probably the hardest because I think it was adapting to the new role of becoming a mom and then everything else that's when he got really bad like really bad with the drink I remember even the day Carter was born no. He left the hospital. So Carter was born at half eight and about twelve midday he left to get me food and came back like um one in the morning or something. Oh Jesus. Like locked, drunk out of his head. And you were like chuffed. And then the second day, now his family had been there and obviously they were like raging on. And um they ended up I remember the second day I actually had to ask the security man to not let him in so they get a tag you know the way in the, where did you have your baby Rotunda don't they visit cards. an hour did the so did Adam have a card where he yeah. had 24 hour access uh, not 24 hour well he he did kind of like he could come and go all day yeah. his visiting hours were like 2 to 4 and then that's the thing days. so in England the dad gets this red band Ooh. and they have 24 hour access oh, so right. I had an no, emergency section no, so they yeah. can stay through the night or they can come wow. in the middle of the night whatever it's really good like but obviously not if they're like <laughs> drunk not if they're your ex <laughs> yeah. so I was like I remember actually asking the security guard and I said it to his sister when they were leaving I was like we just ask him to not let him in but don't tell him that I said that because I knew if he knew that I said she doesn't want to see you so but I remember being really sad about that and because he remembered the night he came in at one o'clock he was getting to a point where he was drinking like these tonics they weren't even like alcohol they were these weird cheap tonics you can get in England and the news agents and they're like 52% and they're probably three euro but it's not alcohol it's like a tonic and I remember his dad saying to him before he was like they drink them in other countries as a tonic when you're sick and he would knock a bottle and he would be out of it but he'd have blackouts and like that's another reason again why I would forgive him because I would be like he actually doesn't remember what he did but um but I remember he would like talk like I remember he'd hallucinate I remember one time him talking to he was talking to me and he thought it was his mum and I was sitting there and I was so confused and he, he was just out of it. He thought it was his mom and he was having a full blown conversation with me. But I remember that night he came into the hospital and he would just, like, I don't know if this is normal, I suppose, with someone with a drinking problem, but like when they get so drunk that they, anything can trigger them and you don't know. Sometimes if I was too nice to him, that would get him really angry. Other times if I ignored him, that would get him really angry. If I was cheeky back that would get him really angry so you literally do not know where you stand yeah. like I don't know where to just keep quiet and let him go at me do you know and that will end it but then that would almost irritate him that I wasn't yeah. giving anything back and I remember he came in and he was obviously just irritated and he just started like just saying the most awful stuff to me like and I was 24 hours after having the baby and he was just and I was just sitting in silence because you're in a ward with six of the people with a curtain do you know what I mean and the lady next to me she was with her husband and she'd had twins but they were actually down in a ward Mm. so she didn't have the twins with her and um, I remember he 
was there for I'd say a good hour and a half just saying horrible stuff to me and then he left and then I remember as he left the husband of the lady next door well in the curtain like ran out to look at him and he was giggling and then he didn't know that I could see him through the door because I was like on the end corridor and I remember he was looking to see it was nothing and he turned and he just seen me and I was obviously just there with like tears coming down my face and I remember just being so hurt because it's like they're just sitting there Not like getting a kick out of this and I could just hear them giggling I thought and you I were going to say him. he went out and gave yeah, him me too, and chased like... him and I could just see your man looking smiling to see what he looked like probably like out of nosiness but he didn't know because I was on the edge the glass door was there that oh. I could see out onto the ward now the man looked mortified when he actually seen me doesn't just fucking kinda, matter I'm and the next day the lady came in who was so nice to me and I was obviously so embarrassed so I was just like thanks she gave me loads of magazines and stuff but um but it was that day that I was just like I have 24 more hours in here and I can't I just couldn't cope with yeah. him coming back so I just asked and I remember as well this is the kind of thing you do so I'd obviously had a c-section yeah. and that day that he came in and this is obviously embarrassing to say because it just shows how low I don't know my self-esteem was but I remember when he came in drunk, he made me get out of the bed and sit in the chair and he lay on the bed. What? <laughs> and I was sitting on the chair, like, with the... You've that yoke in you, the... The catheter? Yeah. Oh, like, sitting on a thing. Oh, for fuck's sake. And, um, and it was literally just to keep him quiet. Yeah. Because I was just like, please, like, don't cause a scene. Just please, like, shut up. And he was like, no, let me lie down or whatever. And I was like, okay, just get in the bed. And I just stood up. And I wasn't even supposed to be standing. I don't no. think you're meant to stand for the first 24 no. hours. Like, my legs weren't even... They were probably still numb from the... What's it called? Oh, for fuck, the spine. That's not embarrassing, by the way. No, but no, I mean, like, it's... And I... Yeah, so yeah. I think I think I totally get what you mean. You're like, that's how long my self-esteem yeah. was. That's how fucked it would get. Like, it sounds pathetic when I think of it now. And if I seen someone do that, but... That's just how bad it was. Like, I just would do anything to keep him quiet. Jesus Christ. But I remember that man in the hospital. I always remember that as being one of my lowest points. Because I was just like, oh my God, like, they're just listening that was like to everything that to, to, to me. Jen, it's not even that, like, obviously there's that situation that was going on around you. And then whatever with the fuckers next door. Yeah. Earwig and having a great old laugh. What a, what a <laughs> wanker. But you're already in the most vulnerable place. Yeah, after twenty four hours after you're having a baby. Jesus. But it just goes to show you, and that happened a few times. Now it didn't happen a lot that we would like get stuff would happen in public, but it it did really make me. But I can co- totally understand when like a stranger sees it. It's so hard to respond to react. Like, I remember one time we pulled up in the car and he was screaming at me. He was trying to take the keys and I was bawling, crying and a girl was walking down the road and it was dark out. And I actually got the car and I started begging her to help me and she just started running. Oh, no. And then that obviously irritated him because I was making a scene and, like, attracting people and he went mad. But I remember even with the people in the hospital, you would think, in my head, you would just think a normal person would go get security or go get a nurse. Of course, you'd think you're in such a safe place. But I think people find it so hard when they witness stuff like that you don't know how to respond because you probably don't you think if you respond like will it make it worse for them do you know what I mean or like am I gonna get like will something happen to me I think most people just like to turn a blind eye and just run what would you say from being in that situation if any of our listeners were in a situation where they were witnessing something like that what would your advice to them be because I know some I've seen like research studies done on this and it's like 
you don't want to go over because you do feel like the, the abusive person could turn on you then exactly you don't want to put yourself in a yeah. situation you don't want to make it worse for the person who's being abused yeah what would you say would be the best I, I would always say try speak to the person that's being abused I would yeah. never say go to the abuser but as even like I think if it's really obvious because even for me there were times when I used to be I would just be like I wish someone would just know or just ask me mm. now it did get to a point where his family knew but I was also trying to hide it from his family mm. but I just remember thinking I just really wish someone would have been there to kind of ask me or to see it and then eventually when it ended it was because I got the courage to just say it to a friend mm. and I remember I was like if I just say it now and have someone to speak to just say it out now that's it like once you say it to someone there's no going back um, because I knew if I told my friend and I was very close to her what was going on she's hardly going to like listen and then next week I'd be like oh no it's grand like forget it like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know she wouldn't have allowed that so I remember getting to a point where I was like I just need to tell someone talk to someone but um, yeah I would just say try talk to them and mm. just keep not keep at them like that you're annoying them but I would if they deny it I would try again because yeah. I think like it took me two years like I was in denial with people for two years about it mm-hmm. do you know what I mean and covering up even from his own family mm. and they knew full well what was going on mm. so it's hard to it is hard to tell and everyone is so different yeah. I was about to say it is it's a, it's a tricky position I suppose also with his family you've built that bond they're kind of like your rock for over there you're just after having a baby and they were almost putting me before him like I yeah. became their well that's priority, priority which was great yeah but then I think it got to a point where it just, because I was going back to Ireland and I remember people kept saying to me like, blood is thicker than water. And at the end of the day, that's their baby. And that's as in my ex, like that's their baby, that's their brother. Do you know what I mean? And I did because I went back to Ireland, they just kind of turned. Did they? Yeah. And they never, we haven't spoken since. Yeah. So we lost all contact. But I mean, they knew what was going on and even though I suppose it's sad I can I just have to I suppose accept that they just wanted to be there for him I don't know why they couldn't be there for both of us but so rough yeah rough enough so this is all happening you've had Carter obviously we've kind of gone back and forth in the story and I don't want it to be like a timeline because I hate that (laughs) you know it's like and now this happened and this happened so all this has kind of gone on I suppose and you've stayed with them for how long so yeah when we when we separated Carter was about one and a half now Carter was about one and three or four months so and then also the pregnancy so the abuse it was kind of two years of physical abuse yeah and beforehand I suppose like emotional abuse yeah verbal abuse and financial yeah fine oh yeah so here we go yeah I suppose you said already that you were working three jobs and you were essentially drinking your money and that didn't go away. No. Because he couldn't hold down a job. Tried secret accounts and everything. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I was about to say, what I kind of extent accounts, had you yeah. to? Sure, there was times when I would literally in my current account be like, no, I have £20 and I need it for like whatever, nappies. Yeah. And I would just say that. Now I'd always have, I'm quite a good saver, but I'd always have my other account that I just, he didn't know anything about. And um, he would still make me give the card or go to the cash point and take it out from even though I would say to him I need that money for Carter's nappies I've nothing else he'd be like well I want to go for a drink <laughs> and he'd like he'd be happy enough to take it and that would have been kind towards the end yeah Jeez. when it was getting yeah to, so was there one big thing that you were like right fuck this I have to get out Um, 
There was there was two, but then I got back with him after one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was when Carter was about five or six weeks. Um, so my mom and dad came over to visit when Carter was first born. So he was only about four days old when they came to visit and they stayed for like a week. And I remember the day they left, they had like an early flight and they had to leave at like half nine ten. So they were going to call over to us that morning just to say goodbye. And he was out all night and he got back at about six and I was shitting it. Like I was on edge because the whole week I'd managed to hide everything. Do you know what I mean? Now there was twice he was drunk and my dad was a bit like, mm. but I was like, oh look, he's just celebrating. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But um, he came back and I was absolutely shit. So I was wide awake. Come on, I was like, let's cook you some noodles, like have some juice. I was like, just trying to sober him up and get stuff into him. But he was just on a mad one, went crazy he knocked me out so he'd hit me so hard that I actually fell on the floor but I lost consciousness now Carter was in his cot and I remember at the time I was like why is the room like slanting or like why is the bed on my head because I didn't realize I'd fell on the bed and um he got a fright now he really got a fright when he seen me go down so he panicked forever now literally within an hour the whole side of my face was black whole side of his and all I was like oh my god my mum's coming so I was like give me the Mac NW30 like whack it on I was trying so hard I had about three layers of orange foundation on me and my mum and dad called over he was asleep I, he eventually fell asleep and I was just like oh, oh he was up with the knife it so I'm letting him have a sleep like you know making out like he's dad of the year and and then I woke him up to be like they're saying goodbye like and he'd only been asleep for about an hour and a half so he was a bit grumpy but he got up and I remember my dad shook his hand and he was like like look after my babies and I just remember I lost it like I just couldn't stop crying and I was like because obviously everything had just happened and I remember obviously they thought I was just emotional because I was like the baby was only a week old but I remember like gripping them and I was just like please don't go please don't go like please 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 and they obviously were getting really upset and I could see that so then I just kind of stopped and they left and then that night his brother came over and he was like what's in your face and I was like what like he called over unexpectedly we were watching a film we weren't expecting him and he's like what's in your face and I was like what are you talking about and he's like what's in your face and then I just burst out crying and he obviously straight away this was the first time they knew anything put two and together he grabbed me grabbed Carter grabbed all of her stuff and took me to the house oh and he was like you're not going back there and that's when they got him into this NHS rehab yeah. but I had to go to a women's shelter so I moved into a women's shelter then for three months Jen. So that was really hard. That was like outside of, it was in a place called Cafford, which is like a really, it's not really a nice place in London. It was outside anywhere I'd ever been or anyone I knew. I didn't have a car at the time. So I was literally like two bus rides away from his family. And I was just in this little studio flat for like three months. And I remember when I was moving into that, my mom had come over to visit and I still hadn't told them anything. I begged his family not to tell my family about, because his mom really wants to ring my mom and dad. And I begged them not to and they agreed. And then when my mom came over, I just said, look, he's struggling a bit with drink and I just need to get away. So I just told her I'd gotten an apartment. I didn't even tell her it was a women's shelter. And um, I was sharing it with loads of other girls young girls they were all young girls and um yeah I was there for three months he was doing the rehab thing and he did come off the drink so he was about six weeks off the drink we started talking and then we got back together Mm. 
Now we didn't move back in. I wasn't ready to move back in, so I got a different apartment. And um, yeah, then we got back together then. And then it was like another year, a year and a bit. And then it came to heads again. There was another big blow up. And that was when I told my friend, when I was like, no, I need help. Like, I need to get out. So you were always kind of on the verge. Yeah. First of all, how horrific. And another reason I think, which sounds really bad, that I stayed with him was because when I got out of the women's shelter, I was going straight back into uni. So this is when I was starting to finish. Remember, I had to go back to finish the last term. So I had to, I remember I had to write my thesis, write a play, perform a play. And now I was lucky and that his mom took character during the day when I was at uni. But like I had all this going on as well like that absolutely nobody like knew anything that was going on and I remember I just kept being like to myself no like I'll just stay um and then when I graduate I'll deal with it I was like I can't deal with breakup I can't deal with him like and a breakup so I was like just let me get through uni like I'll just get through the next year the next kind of six months and then I'll see where we are and then it was like a month after my graduation that we actually did that was like the big blow up we just separated so was it after a massive incident that you were like, went straight to your friend or did you give it a few Yeah, days? so no, it was a big incident. So I remember I was at home and it was like, I feel like I don't know, I'm just going into too much detail now. It's just too like... If you don't want to, don't. No, just because I feel like it's just boring now. It's just like... It's, a, it's Jesus Christ, no, it's, it's not. I just don't want yeah. you to No, feel I like, don't at all, but I'm just like... Ooh. I don't want to say it's fascinating, but yeah. it's kind of almost like... It's a fucking eye-opener because I, I had no idea this... Yeah. I you knew that you had gone through an abusive yeah. relationship because I've seen you talking on the navigation coach. Yeah. It's the first time I about heard you talk it, yeah. about it, but I didn't realise it was to this extent. Yeah. And I'm just a little bit confused. Look, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the more I awareness, I think, the better. Like, I think also the whole thing. What the what the best thing about it is also hearing to your story is that people kind kind of like there's already little things there that haven't been in relationships, but in other relationships, it doesn't always have to be your boyfriend. Yeah. That I've already picked up on, and I've been like, "Fuck!" Kind of happened because yeah. you do compromise yourself, and there has been times in my life where I've just blocked things out. And yeah, you just do it. You, you just make do excu- so many, so many, so many excuses, and you can. And it's so funny how easy it is to just block something horrible out and be like, "That didn't happen." Yeah, or it be like, "It did happen," but I also don't want to talk about yeah. that. And like sometimes it can be really humiliating. Like it makes Absolutely. you feel like such a. I don't know, like, it makes me sometimes feel really embarrassed. And, like, yeah. now, obviously, it was a lot to do with confidence and self-esteem. And, obviously, you're kind of brainwashed as well, to an extent. But there are times when someone says something and I, or I or remind me of something, and I'm like, oh, my God. Do you know, when you yeah. think of something you've done and you're like... Yeah. Does it feel like 10,000 years ago? Yeah, it does. Like, it yeah. does feel like so long ago. Um, So, I suppose, so that's after having the big blowouts after happening. Yeah. And you tell your friend. So yeah, I told my friend. So basically it was a summer's day. So I remember it was like July, August and um, no, it was August. And I remember he had been working in a bookies and he basically lost his job. I know he lost his job because he showed up drunk. So he'd showed up drunk at one time, but it was around Carnival. And they kind of were like, mm, okay, right, it's Carnival. Do you know, like, have you been to Carnival in London? You've yeah. been, haven't you? Yeah, so yeah. it's mad, like, yeah. and people like are just drunk for like mm. 48 hours. So they kind of were like, okay, right, fair enough, go home, sleep it off and come back in. But then this was a few weeks later, he showed up again and he was drunk again. So I remember I was at home 
And in the apartment block I was in, it was six apartments and I was in the second floor. And sometimes when he was outside, he'd throw a pebble at the window because I wouldn't give him a key. I just took the key off at one point or he lost a key and I just kept like not getting a cook because I didn't want him to have a key. And um, I remember he threw a pebble and I was like, oh my God, and straight away I was like, he's been sacked because it was in the middle of the day and he shouldn't have mm. been home. And I remember he came up and he was drunk and he was just saying what had happened and he was in a foul mood and he was obviously annoyed, but he was just taking it all out on me. And then I remember um, he said, he was like, well, I went to a credit union and blah, blah. And I think he was trying to say he'd gotten a loan. And I was panicking because I was like, you're after taking a loan out? Like, I was like, for what? And I was like, you never took a loan out, you know, to help me in character or you've never done. Mm. I was like, what is the loan for? And all I was thinking about is he's just going to go collect that money now and go on a bender. So, um... I remember panicking and I was trying to calm him down and he got, so he was just being really, really physical with me. But then um, Carter woke up and normally what he would do, I was going to say out of politeness, obviously it's not out of politeness, but normally what would happen, he would never be abused in front of Carter. He always put Carter in his room. Carter never said anything, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Put Carter in his room, close the door and then he'd come into me and whatever. But this time I was holding Carter and he was really hurting me. And I remember thinking, like, no, this is, like, this is getting dangerous. But he ended up, he choked me. So he choked me quite bad and he put a cigarette out on my face while I was holding Carter. And that was the point where I actually just had a moment where I was like, like, this is dangerous. Like, something, I could drop Carter, the cigarette could fall on Carter, anything could happen. Like, absolutely anything. No, and he would would never even, so he smoked, but he wouldn't have even smoked in a room obviously with Carter in the room mm-hmm. and I didn't I don't smoke so I didn't smoke in the apartment so the fact that he was in smoking in the room that's how the whole thing started because I was like put the cigarette out like yeah. he's awake I'm going to get him and all and he just lost it so then he was like you need to drive me to the credit union and the credit union was like 25 minutes away I was like I'm not like, you need to drive me so in my head I was like right I'm just going to get in the car I'm going to drive him there and that's it like I'm ringing Emma straight away like I'm promising myself now no matter what because normally if he had a calm down on the way to the credit union or we got talking I would have just been like right I'm going home and I would have forgot about it yeah but I was like, I need, like it's, I'm scared. I was really scared at that point for me and Carter. Mm. So I remember driving him to the right, you know, this was another point where I'd seen like a person kind of witnessed. So we were in the car, it was broad daylight, like it was a really, really sunny day. And we were stopped at traffic lights and he had the key, you know, like the key to the house. And he kept sticking it in my cheek, but while I was driving and he was scraping it. And I remember I was trying so hard just not to react, not to respond. I was like, just still but obviously I had tears and I was staring straight ahead and the man in the car in front was just staring at me like just staring at me in his rumor and twice he just turned back and looked and I remember I was just looking at him being like please like just get out of your car like just come get out of your car and open my car door do you know what I mean like just let someone bring attention but obviously he didn't we got to the credit union and I just done a U-turn and that was it. I literally text my friend. I pulled up somewhere. I t- text this huge message and I sent it to her. Now, I didn't say that he was violent, but I said, I'm really, really struggling. She kind of knew he had an issue with drink at this mm-hmm. point. And I was like, I need you to come and stay with me. And I need you to kind of stay with me for a few days because I was like, I'm not strong enough right now yeah. to turn him away. And I need you to do that for me, basically. Mm. And then he didn't show up that night but I was like I know he'll show up and I was at this point I was having panic attacks a lot and I remember um we went to bed and I didn't sleep and it was about half five in the morning and I heard him coming up the driveway and I woke up and I was like he's outside 
I went into a full-blown panic attack. She was freaking out because she didn't know what to do because she'd obviously never seen me like that. And then he started shouting outside, you know, like, open the door or whatever. And when he seen her go to the window saying, go home, he got really angry. So he ended up the bedroom window, the sitting room window, the kitchen window, he smashed all the windows. So he was thrown. There was a skip outside with, like, a broken bed. Threw planks of wood, rocks, everything up. Carter woke. He smashed my car. Every window in the car he smashed up. Um, and then it was my friend that called the police. So she called the police, they came. And yeah, that was it. That was the big blow where I was kind of like, there's no going back. She made me ring my mom. The police officers were really nice. The police, one of the ladies took me into the room and she was like, I really think you need to speak to your parents now. Because if you leave it a few days or if you leave it later, you know, you're not gonna, they need the to know. So she made me ring my mom and I did. And obviously they were like devastated. They had no idea, absolutely no idea there was any kind of violence. And they Because you had gotten so good at covering it all. So good. I was like a ninja. Like you do, you literally become like a professional. And obviously I was an actor as well. So I was like flying. (laughs) I was like brilliant. But like you really do. And even your friends, like you live a secret life and like you make up stories and all just to make it out like you're having a normal happy life. Like, all of the girls back in Ireland, when they found out, like, they were devastated. And just knowing that the last two years, and like I said, the most special years of your life, Mm. but, like, they were the worst two years. They were the best two years. I hate saying they were the worst years of my life because they were my first two years with Carter. So, like, they were the best two years, but just the hardest. But I think if Carter was old enough to understand, he'd be like, no, ma'am, they were the worst two years of yeah. life and don't even fucking yeah. sugarcoat it because of me like do you know yeah, what I mean it's and true yeah. even to go back to what you were saying about oh when I was holding character that's when I realised how bad it was like so you, you know, weren't we even thinking you, yeah. about yourself it was just when character was put in yeah. that position like you'd want to be some fucking you'd want to have some strength to be putting up with what you put up yeah. with like I I don't know how you did it I'm nearly in tears here listening yeah. to you. Like, and then even what you were saying about like when your mum and dad were gone, and yeah, he was saying, "Look after me, baby." And, yeah, and that's such a thing you'd say. Heartbreaking, but like, um, it's heartbreaking. You're some woman. Seriously, you really are. It's a bit of a like, it's a bit of a rough one because I think no matter what you say, and I know what you're like as a friend, and like it's very tough when someone kind of is like oh my God, you went through that. Poor you, you poor thing. And then you're almost a bit like, no, it's fine. Every- yeah, I'm, I'm grand. Like, yeah. look at me now. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm actually, yeah. no, everything's fine. Like, everything's totally fine. Everything's grand. You don't want to talk about it. It's yeah. very Irish thing, I think, as well. Yeah. So we're very like, that was under the rope. Well, we don't yeah, know yeah. anything about that. Um, so I suppose for you to be able to say it to your friend, but I think... Like, not you did it in the best way possible, but, like, sometimes you just have to rip the band-aid off. Yeah, and be that's like, what um, it was like. Then it's out, it's out. I remember yeah. sending them that text message. I actually went to, there was a huge Ikea beside our house that had drive to McDonald's. Carter was one year and three months when you are in four months, and I got my Happy Meal, and I sent the car crying because I felt like the worst mom in the world let my kid have McDonald's chips, and he was only one in three months. He was obviously delighted. Mm. But I was, I was too scared to go back to the apartment in case he came back, and she didn't finish work till five, so I had to just sit and drive around for three and a half hours. And I remember I obviously had to get him food and nappies and stuff buying them on the go and I remember getting him chips at McDonald's and he was just sitting there in the back of the car and I remember just feeling like the worst man in the world because I let him have chips like if everything that happened that day that was my my biggest concern and I remember sitting there typing the message for ages and then I literally like you said it was like I was like just do it send it I was like once I send this message my life will change and it did 
Yeah, I mean... Like, for the better. Absolutely. So, I suppose those are kind of, like... I would say that's a very extreme case. Yeah. Because you ended up in a woman's shelter. Yeah. Like, sorry, that part, I was like, what the actual fuck? Mm. He knocked you out. Like, I know there's people, like, I've seen women before... I've known women before that have been absolutely black and blue. Yeah. And they almost get to the point where they're so good at covering it. Or they also, there's kind of two ways. They become almost, I suppose, what you did, which was you become like the actress. Oh, yeah. And I was so good at it. Yeah. I'm like, like, oh my God, like open the cupboard, tin of beans fell on my face and I'd be laughing about it. My mum would be like, you're such an idiot. And I'm like, like, I I know. Out of the shower, am and I aghasting. Yeah, the bottle was on the floor and I just like... I actually said that one time with the shower, I was yeah. in the hospital and the woman was like, what is this, bros? And it was huge, like it was like from here to here and I was like, oh, I have like a shelf in the shower and like I dropped the soap and slipped on the shelf like straight away. The line. And I remember she called the doctor and he asked me and I knew they knew I was lying. Yeah. I knew they knew I was, but I, obviously they couldn't say it. And even my mom, like I remember my graduation day, I had a black eye, but obviously I had my makeup done, so you couldn't really see it. But I remember ringing my mom a few days before. I was like, "Mom, I'm an idiot." I was like, "I'm after open the cupboard, and a tin fell on my eye," and I was like, "I'm gonna have a black eye on my graduation photo." And she's like, "You're grand, like just do a bit of makeup and lashes and blah blah." Like, and I was trying to make such a joke of it just to, because I knew they'd be flying mm. out in a day or two to prepare yeah. them. Like, you, you just get so good. And then I was obviously able to cover up a lot of my bruises because I was so isolated for a long time. Yeah. I was, like, just staying indoors. But I suppose, like, you don't pick it up immediately because why... Like, I even feel annoyed now and I didn't know you back then. Yeah. And I almost feel like I want to punch a wall. That was, like, my life. friend. Yeah. My friends in Ireland especially. They were so frustrated. They were devast, like, really upset and mm-hmm. hurt and... Like, coming out is really, really hard as well. Yeah. Like, really hard. Like, even now, like, obviously talking about openly now, I think this is the most open I've ever talked about it, but I never thought I would mm. get to a point. Now, obviously, I didn't have the Instagram or the platform then, mm. but I never, ever, ever in a million years thought that this would be something. Because I found it so hard to even talk to my mom and dad, or, like, I still, I find it harder to talk to my mom and dad about it than I would now. Because I know how much it hurts them, I think, and because they're so emotionally involved, I can see it. Well, you can understand as well, yeah. because if Carter came to you... That's the thing, yeah, you you'd be heartbroken. You so, like, I find it so hard to talk about, but at the same time, I'm, like, so surprised at myself that I even do talk about it. Because yeah. it's not like me, I suppose, to open up on this level about this yeah. kind of stuff but I think it was just the whole thing when the navigation coach when Tara first approached me she was like I just really want you to come on now obviously she hadn't a clue of anything mm. about it she's like I just love you to come on and talk about your journey and like you've been on a massive weight loss journey and like you've moved home you're a single parent blah blah and I remember taking it like a few days to think about it and I was like it's really hard for me to kind of talk about my weight loss journey without talking about it because yeah. that was basically what started it like yeah. I moved home started my new life and I wanted to turn everything around I suppose for Carter yeah I'm like I was like I'm on my own now like mm. you know he's all I have I need to be like fit and healthy and strong like I need to be around for a long time from and that really is what kind of got me so as much as like obviously I wouldn't recommend going through that you know for a weight loss journey but like yeah. <laughs> as much as like you hate like I I'm not ashamed of obviously what I went through. I hate that I had to go through it. Yeah. But like it's so cliche, but it's so true that like everything you go through or whatever, like it all leads you to kind of where you are and like it really makes it. And like I was never a confident or strong person, but like. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can I... Do you remember we were down in Cork? Yeah. The girls day out? The, yeah. You are like a different yeah, I was person. so quiet. Like, I just hid behind everyone. You really did. Yeah. And I, like... I remember because I was staying in the room with Claire and Mermaid and Jade and they were fucking, you know, yeah. and a bleeding mad one. And, and me and morning, Grace were like in the room having a chime. Yeah, we like, <laughs> next morning we were all waiting outside the lift and two of them were having the fucking shits and giggles or whatever. But I could see you kind of looking at them as if to say, oh, I'd love to get involved yeah. in the crack. But you were just, you yeah. could, you could tell so you just reserved. had no yeah. confidence No, at and all. that was the first time. And like Denise, obviously she organised all day. She obviously, at the time I'd just come home, Grace yeah. was just taking me to these things to literally distract me. Because I was so, like, I was yeah. literally like two months off the boat. So she was trying to just oh, keep gosh. me up, literally. <laughs> she was just trying to keep me upbeat and keep, keep my mind. And obviously it was a night over in a hotel in Cork and it was like, that was such a like treat for me. Yeah. Like I'd never stayed in a hotel like that. And I, it was just such a nice thing to do. So she was great at getting me distracted and mm-hmm. keeping me busy. So she was taking me to all of them. And then she, Denise had kind of found out a little about it. And Denise was just so kind to me. I remember yeah. just being really mm. surprised at like a stranger's kindness. And yeah. she was so nice to me and she was just lovely. And I remember like, I just was like, I'd love to fit in with the girls. But I was just so like shy. I was just really not confident. I think I was still yeah. like emotionally like, I, and it's funny that you're saying that because I could literally see that written all over you. Yeah. When we were, I, I remember looking at you outside, the, we were waiting on the lift and you were looking at the girls kind of going, oh, I'd love to get involved so in the crack, but I, I'm, I'm gas too. Not, yeah. But exactly. you are fucking gas. You are gas. <laughs> but you're such a it different person. Yeah. Yeah. You always say that I to say, me. I you're like, people would minute, like, like you more if I'm they like, see your witty side. I'm like, people would just be offended. Oh, you say <laughs> that all the time, but like, I mean, how many times we've gone for dinners, we yeah. like chill with cards, he smashes sweet potato fries it's fine it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. Carter but, it's yeah. fine but like how many times have I been like this is not you like I think I've come when I watch you, you not I've like, come such a long it. way in like my confidence yeah, and like yeah. my strength now but I still have a long way to go I think. Oh, gotcha. do you know what I mean yeah well time will always like, yeah. cliche as it sounds time is a healer it like, is and yeah. like sometimes I'd be like, like it's only two and a half years ago like it's this was really such a, a like it's not that long ago and no. like it's like even when I open up about and I was saying she's been like a lot of people open up to me when I yeah. open up about this mm. and I find it really hard because sometimes I'm like it brings me back yeah. and I'll open these messages that are heartbreaking from people yeah. that are in it now and it really takes me back or reminds me and straight away like I'll get that feeling and I'm just like I can't cope with it right now because mm. I don't want to go back to yeah. where I was or like I feel like I'm in a better place 
And it is, and I think there is a lot to be said, like, I'm one of those people, I've never liked a victim mentality. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm like, it's fine. Everything's yeah. totally fine. Like, everything's down. grand. Yeah. And like, even to the point where like, some really fucking traumatic things have happened. And I'll like, briefly touch on it with a friend and they'll be like, I forgot that happened to you. And I'll be like, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Let's never talk you, about Jen. that again. Yeah, <laughs> Same yeah. with you. But like, it's, one of those things that you're just kind of like anyway we won't talk about that because that's a thing that we're not going to talk about but I think that like you said that can sometimes be an Irish thing not even an Irish thing but I think it's even a generation thing I think people are getting better now at saying actually no like this happened and I'm not okay and I'm really struggling and like I want to talk about and I want to get help whereas before I don't know I think people are afraid to come across as vulnerable or ask for help because you just I don't know, like, if it's an Irish thing, but I think sometimes people are just afraid to do that. Yeah. To just say, like, actually, no. But like, like you said as well, when you were going through it, you felt, like, almost shameful. Yeah, so, happening. yeah, 100%. It is great, though, when you have the likes of the navigating... The, the navigating coaches take over and stuff like that to be... Make, like, spreading yeah. awareness on these things and opening up and giving people their story. Exactly. Because it does. And, like... Something as simple as, I can't, Jesus, I've never been through anything like you have, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just kind of even small things that I talk about on Instagram, you'll always get that, oh, this happened to me, the same Someone thing happened can relate, to me. Yeah. There's always a discussion to be had. It's true. Do you pe- think people are afraid of kind of not crying wolf but that kind of thing of being like people being like that didn't like not that didn't happen to you oh absolutely or but to a level they're like is she being a bit dramatic yeah and I also think you quite well for me anyway I question myself loads remember I was saying before the physical and I even with the physical where for a long time I'd be like because like this was my only serious relationship I'd not to compare it to I'd be like, am I being very dramatic? I was like, is that not just normal for two people to mm. go on like that? Mm. And like, is it not normal? Like if I was, he was drunk and I was annoyed that yeah, he might have like threw a dig, but like he wasn't really in the right headspace. He was drunk. Mm. <laughs> but I started thinking yeah. like that and then I'm like, maybe I'm just being dramatic. And you would think like that. And then you're worried to tell other people in case they're a bit like, mm, well, you know, it's not that bad. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, mm. and then you're kind of like, oh shit, like what have I opened? And I remember remember when one of you were saying like you were quite an extreme case I remember having to go to it was like when when I was going to the women's shelter it's like a women protection Mm. I can't remember what they were called but it's in the UK and you have to do this um questionnaire basically with them and they ask you 30 questions and it's just yes no questions it could be something like um has he hit you has he spit on you has he done this has he blah 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 and there's 30 questions you go through and it's yes no yes no and I remember at the end she was like you're like a high high so I ended up getting a restraining order because of this she mm. was like you're high risk she was like you got 20 out of 30 she was like 20 out of 30 is high risk the only two that I think I remember one that I said no to because I kind of laughed at it when she said it was has he ever abused an animal and I was like well I was like no but obviously that can be a real telltale sign yeah. you know when someone's yeah. abusive and I was like no because he did have a dog but like he loved the dog and I was like no and I don't know what the other thing I said no to was but I just remember she was like, one of the questions I asked you, and I was just like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, not thinking. She's like, I asked you, did he choke you? And she's like, and you just said, yeah. I'm waiting for the next question. Like, you didn't even blink. You were just like, yeah. And she was like, like that's extreme. Yeah. I remember it was only when she, she was kind of saying that to me that I was like, yeah. And then the next person I spoke to who was a police officer, um, 
was asking me questions and I always say it and I'm like it's people don't realize sometimes I suppose the way they word things and obviously when I first came out about this I was really vulnerable and terrified because mm. as much as I was wanted to do it I was also heartbroken yeah it was like I'm like this yeah, is yeah. me and him done now yeah I was like he will never forgive me he's gonna hate me for the rest of his life like I've ruined his life basically and um like, this is me cutting all ties. And I found that really hard because, like, part of me still loved him and mm. wanted Definitely. him to go back yeah. to who he was. So I was heartbroken. And, like, it took me a long time even to get over him. But I remember um, one of the police officers who was a male and then, like, yeah, friends and family or people that had heard about it, they'd kind of be like, like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe you let him hit you. Or, like, oh, my God, no, if my fella done that, I'd literally, I'd hit him back, I'd walk away. And they might not realise what they're saying. Yeah. Or, but I remember the police officer was like, why, when you said he was doing that with the cigarette, he's like, why didn't you just walk away then? And I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know. And I didn't have an answer. And he was like, the first time he hit you, he's like, why did you not tell anyone? Or, like, why did you allow it to happen again? But he kept asking me the questions as in, like, why do you allow it? It was oh, never like, wow. why did he hit you? Yeah. Like, why did he keep hitting you? It was like, why were you allowing it to happen? And I remember at that point made me be real like, oh God, like, is this a bit my fault? Like, maybe it's 50-50, like I'm a enabler. Do you know what I mean? But I think... Just like you were saying the whole thing about crying wolf. I remember there were points yeah. when I was kind of like, shit, like, well, it's my fault a little that, bit because yeah. like, I shouldn't have allowed it to get on and it probably got as bad as it did because of me as well do you know what I mean like it's a 50-50 thing I remember one of his family members said that to me as well they were like like it's 50-50 like you're as much to blame and I remember they what? were like to me if it Sorry. was me with my kid they were like I never would have stayed oh, for yeah, my kids go. and that broke my heart because oh, that made God, me be like oh my god guilt. you know, like I'm the worst mom in the world I was about to say because I think like if I was to the only way I can even like try and kind of even slightly put myself in your shoes is like if Tom started doing that to me now how could I give up, like, on the last few years? Yeah. On everything that you've been through, though, on the fact that you've just had a baby with them, you've, like, kind of gotten the apartment, you're yeah. in a separate country, you're so in touch with his family, you're so unlocked with his and family. And then isolated, yeah. It's like, you know, when people get cheated on, I suppose, it's absolutely not as, you know, yeah. outrageous. But, like, when people get cheated on, it's like, how am I supposed to not brush this under yeah. the fucking rug? Because yeah. I'm just going to have to put my blinkers on and pretend that this didn't happen. Yeah. Because we're after spending... I'm not giving up the last 10 yeah, years not, or whatever. Yeah, like, but like that's just, yeah, literally, you're like, I'm after having a baby with you. I'm yeah. after living in an apartment with you. Like, I And it's that whole guilt when you have you. a baby with someone like it's in... And he would say all the time, like, if we were breaking up or separating, like, I am kind of stealing Carter's chance of having a family unit or a dad you know what I mean like it would be my fault and that would play on my mind a lot because I kind of like if I do separate like it, it's a massive effect on him like he mm -hmm. isn't going to have that family unit he'll never have that or now obviously it got to the point where like it's complete like he has no contact at all but that's because obviously the violence and when you're out of the bubble it's easier to look at it and see it was the right I decision like in, yeah. but when you're in it you're kind of thinking Such a hard choice it's on me like am I going to rob Carter that chance or am I just going to try put up with it and work through and hopefully I'll get better and Carter will have the two of us and it's that case of like is it that bad yeah is, is it, it that something bad? that I can't really live like, with and I'd be like time? it's so bad it's not going to get any worse like I've yeah. managed to live with it this long oh, do you know that yeah. kind of way yeah. as well because yeah. you're in such a dark place that you're thinking like it couldn't get worse than this but it can and like 
it mm. often leads to like death unfortunately yeah. so many times people that don't walk away when they should yeah so when Tara from the navigation coach so it's the navigation coach yeah. it's just the, the navigation first. coach at isn't it yeah, yeah. Like at, the, at the navigation coach. coach so she was like you know you've lost talk so much weight you talk about yeah. your weight loss and that's something that I mean I've said to you before I've been like I'd love for you to just not talk about your weight loss and not that that's not yeah. absolutely <laughs> how up. you built your following but like you've got so much more to you like with your theatre training with the fact that you've lived away all these other things that yeah. happened to you why did you decide then was the time to kind of like not go public but yeah I think it was just I was at a point where it was probably about a year I was home about a year and I was it was the first time someone else had asked me to and when I was looking at her page she had a load of different people on with completely different stories and people were really open up and being vulnerable and like you were saying earlier like no matter what you open up about, even if you might think it's the stupidest thing or whatever it is, there's always going to be someone that will relate yeah. to it or that it will help. And I remember just thinking, she just kept saying, like, I'd just love to know your journey and how you found the strength and how it started. And I, it ju- I just kept going back to that was how it started in my head. Like, it was like a big dark secret. And obviously yeah. domestic violence is so, like... I feel like it's very frowned upon in Ireland. It's not talked about a lot and it has like a stigma around Mm. it and people are afraid, I think, to come out and talk about it, which I understand. But um, I think that has a lot to do with victim shame and well, people realising why people don't want to come out about it. But but that I just remember thinking like, it's really hard for me, I suppose, to tell my journey like completely truthful without... That part of Yeah, it. talking how it started. And I remember yeah. I was like, I could use my platform. And it wasn't technically my platform because it was her page. I was like, to raise awareness. And I was like, I know for a fact there's people out there that would or are or have been true what I went through that don't talk about it. And it's mm. how many people on social media do you see that would open up about that kind of stuff? Obviously, like, it's a personal choice. You don't have to. But, like... I remember when I was going through it, like I remember there'd be times when it would be really bad or he'd be hitting me and obviously you kind of just black out or whatever. And I remember I would be lying there and I'd just be thinking, like if my friends could see me from Ireland, like look at me now, I was like, they'd be so disappointed in me. Like they would, I was like, none of my friends would let this happen. I was like, none of my friends would let themselves get in a position that I'm in. And I was like, I'm obviously just like, a shit weak person do you know like yeah, you're, you're you the lowest you point that, and I yeah. was like this wouldn't happen to any of them and then when I did open about the amount of people that did get in touch and they were actually and people that I would have been so surprised I would not have had a notion or a clue oh, that people would have maybe it would have happened to them and women like in their 50s or 60s were getting in touch yeah. with me and saying yeah. like I've been through it and like I've never told people or listening to your story really made me feel better because it made me really feel like I'm not alone. And I felt so alone. And I think coming out with domestic violence is the hardest thing because it's not talked about. You don't know a lot of people and it Mm. can be so embarrassing. Do you think it would have changed your situation, say, if you were watching The Navigation Coach and you saw somebody talking about your yeah that's what I think I thought about when I was thinking of it if when I was going through the stories to see if there was any on it out of curiosity and I remember thinking I would have liked to hear yeah Yeah. to listen to someone else and be like not that I'm normal but that like it does happen to other people and other people that are fully functioning adults now and living their normal lives and you know they're not these victims or they're not you know Mm. 
I think it just would have really helped. And that's what I kind of wanted. I remember finding it so hard. Like if I watch that now, like I think I even find it really hard to look at the camera. I had like notes written in front of me because <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was so nervous. And at that point, I didn't even really talk to my Instagram Yeah. on front camera. Yeah, I just yeah. really showed pictures of food. So I was absolutely shaken. And I remember I was up in my room for two hours to record this thing that takes about 10 minutes. But um. I just remember thinking, like, even if it was just... I know it sounds real cheesy, you know, like, even if it just helps one person, like, I did my job. But I kind of did feel a bit like that. Like, with such a hard topic, I was like, if there's two girls out there that are going through it and they feel like they're the... Because you really do feel like you're the only person in the world that would allow yourself to be in that position. I was like... And people obviously follow me on Instagram wouldn't have a clue that I went through it. And, like, I went through a pretty bad case of it. Do you know what I mean? For two years, but... That kind of gave me, it made me be like, no, like I want to. And then it made me, it led to other opportunities where I worked with the Mind Gym. I done workshops on it. Yeah. They really helped me. Now I did get to a point with them where I was like, I think I need to stop for a little while yeah, now yeah. because it's bringing me back a bit and mm. I don't, like I need to work on me. So I would take a break. But, um, and even working with charities, like I was saying, the Search Refuge and Tala, like I've done a few things for them now mm. because... Like, no one really knew. Even the girls wouldn't have known really about me living in the refuge. They did did now. But I remember at the time, they were like, what? Like, they were like, when you were talking to us for those three months, like, they're like, how did you lie? And you were in a women's refuge. And I'm like, you just like... Like, a women's Just cover refuge. up. They were like, we would no idea. And they were like, mm. three months, like, the whole that's summer. Long, that's 12 weeks. Like. No, that's a long time, like. But, um, yeah, I just remember thinking it's, it's open opportunities. And then I'm doing another workshop I know coming up with Ali. And we've done a few charity things with them and I just like the idea of not normalising it but at the same time normalising yeah. it. Just making people know that it happens mm. and like it can happen to anyone and that like it doesn't make you any less of a person. Or of a woman. Yeah, because you've mm. been through it. Like yeah. it doesn't make you, like obviously you are a victim but it doesn't make you just a victim. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I've been through it but I'm not just... You're a domestic violence vibe, but you know yeah, I mean? It's yeah. a part of my journey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but it's not just... just yeah, like, it's a part of it, and it got me to where I am today, but it's not... I think when people think of a domestic violence survivor, they kind of think of this, like, broken woman, yeah. you know, yeah. like, grey and, like, sad. and But it's not. Like, you can, obviously, with the help of... Mm. I'm very lucky with my friends and family that I have such a good support network and that my mum and dad took me and Carter into their house, like, with yeah. open arms after 10 years of, like, yeah. not having us there. So I am very grateful and lucky that I have mm-hmm. that support network. I know sometimes people feel very alone. They might not have family to turn to. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just a part of it. But I don't think it defines me, who I am. But, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And I think there's something that you said there a bit back. And you were saying about how when you were lying there and you were like, my friends would never take this. And, like, this is just me now. And it kind of, like... <clears throat> ties back into the weight thing where yeah. you're like I'm just a fat piece of shit and I'm just I'm never going to be thin it, yeah. and I'm just never going to be skinny and I'm never going to be fit and I'm never going to be a good mum because I won't be skinny exactly enough. and it's that's like, how I even thought yeah. with my friends yeah because I had always had been the only kind of overweight one yeah and like my friends are all just very attractive naturally which is kind of shit for me because I was always like the fat <laughs> the fat only friend but like um, I'm not anymore though I'm the host <laughs> but I was like you are funny how I've never become honest I've become that one but um, but I remember yeah I used to so I, I did always have kind of shit self esteem I think that's probably why I was an easy target yeah. for him do you know yeah. what I mean I was an easy person to mould into like 
someone to put up with it for Into so long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I was already in a shit position. But like, I mean, now the year the year I had Carter, I gained about five stone. So I was always overweight. But the year from like when I gave birth mm. to when we split up, I think I put on four and a half stone, which is such a like a massive amount in like 18 months. But I was literally eating my feelings. I was about to say, I was literally, what else did you have? That's all I done. I like, wasn't seeing people. I was I was sitting yeah. in my apartment every night and I remember I'd be like, put Carter to bed and I'm like, I'm either going to sit here for three hours and just cry because my life is falling apart and I'm depressed and I'm shit and I'm alone or I'll just get a family-sized dairy milk and bag of Doritos and put on a film. And, yeah, and, that's, and you just escape that's it. That's the better so. option. And that's what people forget. Like a lot of the times, like it's food habits. It's also yeah. like food abuse almost yeah. in a while. Because you're like, I'd go head. to bed feeling sick, but like I would be open to more chocolate that I didn't want, yeah. but it would be completely distracting me from my thoughts mm. and yeah. making me feel better than feeling sad. And I was, I think at such a low point, I was so tired of feeling sad. I was so just fed yeah. up mm-hmm. with feeling sad. I just hated that. And food, like, I always obviously was big, but I just remember for that year and a half. See, that's where smoking would have been handy for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, I fucked the lungs up, really. <laughs> well, <Should've>. yeah. <laughs> I'd be skinny, though. <laughs> so now you are doing your bits on Insta. Mm-hmm. You're flat out. Yeah. But you do keep it very separate from... I mean, I suppose there's, like, not there's only... You can talk all day about, like domestic abuse domestic violence yeah. but you do I just keep, keep it, it separate. separate I just like I've no issue talking about now I still on the daily would get messages from people yeah. mm. maybe not every day but every week I'd get a couple of messages from people about it and I'm always happy to kind of talk about if I'm in a good place but I just think for people obviously 99% of people follow me well I'm sure people follow me because they don't like me but like most people that follow me it's for recipes and mm. food you know what I mean so I just think sometimes it would be a bit random to be like so here's the salmon souffle and also that time you know <laughs> he threw a salmon souffle at my head <laughs> so like funny. it's hard to mix the two with them yeah. but like when it comes to raising awareness I'm happy to use my platform yeah. yeah do you know what I mean because I have a big platform and like if it means raising awareness or helping anyone I would be happy to but it's just something that I try to keep a little bit distant it's not yeah. something I want to be constantly talking about on it yeah yeah and speaking of the awareness piece I just want to kind of like throw out a few things I know obviously there's so much information out there and you've worked with Search Refuge Search Refuge and Tally yeah, yeah. Tally so you've worked with Search Refuge Search Search <laughs> fuck's sake Search Refuge I feel like John Travolta at the Oscars <laughs> Adina Mzella that's literally me right Adina Mzella that's me um, so obviously we've womansaid.ie um, this is just a number that I'm going to call out for anybody who might need it it's 1800 341 900 they're 24 hours a day and 7 days a week um, they've loads of information obviously um, on their site as well Safe Ireland is great it gives loads and loads of information they have a helpline um, they have different helplines for every county so go on to their um, website which is www.safeireland.ie you can click on a link on their website to find the local helpline and then obviously we have a social refuge which I can now pronounce at DWZU <laughs> Um, that's in Tala and their 24-hour helpline is 01463 So what did you do with them? Um, when I was doing the Minds Gym, we would just do raffles and I'd just raise money and charity things. And then I've done a few things in work, just raising money for them. I've never worked with them on an event, yeah. but just raise money for them. And is it something, mm. funny that you just mentioned work there, but is it something that you're kind of like not scarlet about people that like because I know myself I keep my work K so <laughs> and I've got like my other K yeah you know so it's kind of one of those things that 
it takes a lot of courage. Yeah, it does. Mm. To bring it into kind of 360, because I almost forget that, like, everyone has access to my social media. Yeah. Every, like, how many people follow you? Like 99,000. Like, right. A few more than me. <laughs> Tad bit more. Tad bit more, just But now it's true. Like, I'd be sometimes talking to someone, like, in work. It could be, like, a boss or someone higher up or, like... Even someone, like, I don't know, like, on the road or something that you just forget. And then they'll say something like, oh, yeah, you seen you do that. Or I'd be like, oh, my God, I went somewhere the weekend. And they're like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, what? And then yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. You forget. Yeah, yeah, and I forget. And then I'm kind of like, oh, God. And, like, I do think. And then, like, a few people in work were like to me, oh, I listened to, yeah. you know, your interview here. Or I read this. and like, well done. And I'm a bit like, oh, Jesus. Like, I do die a little bit. Like, I'm scarlet. Mm. But at the same time, I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, but it is, it's again, it's like finding that courage because I think that's the main thing, like not the main thing, but yeah. one of the main things. It's finding that piece in you and you were, you had reached your breaking point when you went to your friend and that's yeah. what started and that's what catalyzed. And I think there is other ways of finding it because when you are a victim, you either become the actress like you did or you kind of become a shell of yeah. your former self. Yeah. I've seen that as well where like, they lose hair, they lose weight, yeah. they lose kind of like themselves. Game They're pretty down. fades. Yeah. To, they're like raging the other way. Why didn't I? Game like, hello. <laughs> What's this about, yeah. God? Come on, give me a sign. For the first time, like, give I me a break. <laughs> Jen's like, I've told you guys. Smoking's the way forward. Smoking is the way forward. Yeah. <clears throat> but no, it's true. But it is kind of one of those things where it's so tough. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I could listen to you all day. Yeah, so could I. All fucking day. Jeez. I feel like this is probably the most depressing episode you've done now and I feel bad. I, oh no, we've done some I think it's, um, like I'm not even going to say to you what would your advice be for anybody because I think it's fairly fucking It's clear. so hard yeah. and it's so different. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, there's yeah. no point in me saying to one person, do this or this worked yeah. for me yeah. because you're just never going to mm. do what you need to do yeah. until you're ready to. Yeah. But like it took me two years, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think alone in just telling your story and the fact that you've had well obviously you're still going to be healing and you probably will be for a while um, but knowing that you have gotten your happy end and I think just your story is just going to help so many people as cliche as it is from a, an, an influencer's yeah. quote unquote perspective to say it you've no idea how much it will help people yeah. and I hope that people listening yeah. do if you are going through that situation get get to where you yeah. need to be Yeah, basically and you also have a podcast coming out soon. <laughs> Look at you, I'm putting you on the spot. She's scarlet. If I ever get the balls to do it. So this is, this is again. We're like, recording episode six this week. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't. Literally episode six. Still but, yeah. haven't released it. Um, but that's, again, it's those steps in your own confidence. It's that, yeah. yeah. And it's in a creative outlet again. So yeah. it's something that I've gotten really excited about and something that gets me kind of going because I really do miss that yeah. side yeah. of things the creative side and yeah the Instagram is one thing but it's obviously given more opportunities and I think doing the podcast it just got me excited about something again and that yeah. kind of flame burning I suppose to mm. do more creative things but it's just got my confidence up with like I've completely lost my confidence again like in terms of you know creativeness I yeah. suppose so I'm just trying to yeah are you going to get back. back into the acting I'd love to 
but um, I just don't think Ireland is the best place for it. Shit. No, I have no. I was going to say I have no. I feel like if I knew someone you know who worked in RT, then maybe I'd get a gig. But, and then um, my agent works in RT. Yeah. It's still shit. <laughs> but like no, I'd love to. I would love to. I even looked into setting up a drama school or not a drama school, like a kiddies acting school with my oh, friend. Yeah. Oh, but it was that. just more. Um, I think in Ireland it's like a weekend thing, and I was like, I'm not giving up my weekends or yeah, kind of yeah. characters time, and I work well nine to five. Head. So I was like this would just be I was about to say Jen I feel like you are one of the most like you're like a road runner you're never you yeah. cook you put up your meals you do your posts on Instagram you do your sponsor content which is a lot of work by the way Yeah, you do all your bits More and bobs a lot of work all your bits and bobs have a kid like do all these things on the side you're trying to start a podcast like yeah. you're healing from multiple surgeries yeah, yeah. <laughs> going well. go for another one in six weeks but it's also it kind of lends back to when you were talking about your time in London I was like how did you have the time to even yeah. do that because yeah. I'd just be like a ball stone. on the floor yeah and I was like 25 stone <laughs> <laughs> So at least I'm lighter it. doing it now. Yeah. Some yeah. woman wiping around, you know what I mean? Um, thank you so much for sh- like, you. I mean, getting so in depth about it. I personally, I didn't actually expect to do that. So like, <laughs> I didn't think I'd go that in depth. So I do apologize. Obviously, yeah. Don't apologize. That's like if you're only if you're yeah. comfortable, you know. Yeah. But we do appreciate that you you went full throttle for yeah. you know yeah. um, <laughs> sometimes you kind of have to but I, I think also it lends to the point like you could talk about it again and not be so yeah. or another time you could exactly. go li- and have different instances it's probably just because I'm comfortable that yeah. it's like talking to friends I suppose it's just forgetting the mic is there yeah, yeah, yeah well that's yeah. like that's how we try and yeah. make it in my podcast yeah. yeah. my dog running around and the talking up on the and Ray coming Ray in halfway in. through and yeah. a few other bits and bobs that goes on in yeah. this house um, but yeah, thanks a million. No, I would thank have to you say. for having me on. I was honoured to Aww. be a guest. Oh, you're a listener, aren't you? You're I am a listener. Oh, listener. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be sent texting her yeah. my opinion sometimes. Oh, I love it. Love it. Have you got an unpopular opinion before we go? Oh, God. Um, have I got an unpopular? No, not really. You're just unpopular food opinion. <laughs> yeah. Avocados, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Eat avocados. Slim and world shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, actually, that could be a good yeah. Slim and world only works in, for so long. Yeah. <laughs> Help me lose 10 stone, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say I'm not on yeah. it. I'm also, I did help my life to them, but then I also. Happy <laughs> things, yeah. Oh, no, okay. I don't think I have an unpopular opinion. Right. That's all right. That's, that's, okay. that's all right. Okay, well, we'll leave it there, so. Thanks again to Jen. You can find her on Instagram, Jen's Journeys, Journey underscore. So it's... What is it? What is it? Jen... <laughs> Don't look at me. Jen's journey. Sorry, Jen's underscore journey, journey. underscore IE. IE. Yes, and okay. There you go. And hopefully Finally. we're going to turn that into a dot IE. Yeah, we'll yeah. fix it. Don't worry. Yeah. If it's not true, sure it's not. fine. We'll fix it. Either we'll that or it. Jen's journey, underscore IE. But I think it's Jen's underscore journey, underscore IE. God, okay, I'm a terrible if you just influencer. search all of those things, you yeah. might get there find eventually. It. It's a pink logo. <laughs> find her, okay? It's a pink logo. She loves it, right? It's a lot of food. <laughs> Chicken nuggets. <laughs> Perfect. And we will talk to you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.